Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi there. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with my dad and talk about how to move forward when your life seems to be falling apart. Now, obviously, my life is not falling apart right now, but I did go through a season a couple years ago where I had faced something that I'd never faced, and I was married, and um, my husband had an affair, and he was going to leave me, or he did leave me, (laughs) and um, basically, I found myself in a situation that I'd never experienced before. I didn't know how to handle it, and I honestly felt kind of shameful about it, and I had made up in my mind all these reasons why men have affairs, and and why they would even seek out another woman. And none of those options that I had made up in my mind were in my current relationship. In fact, we weren't even really fighting. Um, There was no conflict, but what I realized is there was no real intimacy either because you can't have a relationship if somebody is not real about who they are. And that's what I found out is that the person that I was married to was not being real with who he was. So I had no way of knowing what was actually going on inside of his life and in his mind. And we hit this point where uh, we were on a missions trip and I had taken all these students on a missions trip and we were about to celebrate our one-year anniversary and stay after the trip. And I had found out that he was having an affair and I'll go into a little bit of the story in my talk with my dad. But basically where I found myself is I found myself in New York. I paid for my husband to get back home and... I found myself in a place where I was like, God, like, how are you going to use this? Because I know I've always heard the scripture, you know, God works everything for the good of those that love him. And I I was upset with God and I was like, God, I'd like to see you use this (laughs) because this isn't really cool. I didn't really plan on my life going this way. I'd save myself for marriage. I thought I did all the things the right way, done premarital counseling. Um, I knew that my husband had been going through a hard time and I I've been trying to give him space. I would have had no way of knowing that not even six months into our marriage, he started having an affair. And all that to say, I found myself not knowing how God was going to move me forward, not knowing how my life would get any better than where I found it in that darkest and worst place that I had found myself in that season currently. And what I realized is that, you know, the Bible says that God wants to exchange our ashes for beauty. But a lot of times we don't get to see the things that are beautiful because we're not willing to give him the ashes. We're not willing to give him the painful moments, the hard times, the difficult things. And one thing that I learned is to move forward, you have to be willing to give him everything because he will make all things work together for your good, but it might not look how you want it to look. And even though it doesn't seem like sometimes that God's working or that God's there or that this is part of God's plan, Let me just, before we've even gone into this talk, tell you that I know from experience that sometimes the biggest losses in your life end up being the greatest blessings. I look back at my life and I'm so grateful that God delivered me from that relationship, delivered me from that situation. And not only do I find myself in a better place, I find myself in such a blessed place. Um, I find myself in a place of purpose, in a place of uh, authority in a place of passion, I never knew that I could help some of the people that I've been able to help because I hadn't gone through what I've gone through. And because I've gone through what I've gone through, I now have an authority and an awareness and an ability to help people. 
through something that I would have never had access to speaking on. And I just want to encourage you that maybe right now you're going through a hard time. Maybe it doesn't have to do with a marriage, but just before you listen to this talk, I just want to challenge you to have an open mind and have an open heart and trusting and knowing, even if it's not through your own life, hear this in my life, that that loss, that thing that you're frustrated about, that thing that you're feeling that you don't know how to handle, promise me that you're going to take a second and just listen. You don't have to make your mind up. You don't have to make a decision right now. You don't have to go, I'm going to give God my ashes. I'm going to give him everything right now in this moment. But promise me that you're going to at least hear this discussion, that you're going to at least hear what we have to say. Because what I believe is that in this 30-minute segment that you're going to hear, I believe that God can change something drastically and dramatically in your life. And you could be put on a trajectory that is going to move you not just forward, but it's going to move you into an authority and into a blessing and into a, a gratitude, a place of gratitude that you never thought that you could have. For me, I look back at that season of my life and I'm not hurt. I'm not upset. I'm not disappointed. I'm grateful. I look back and I say, thank you, God, that you did that for me. And in the moment, all I could think is, was, God, how are you a good God and you let this happen to me? How are you a good God? And I've done all the things I know to do and this is happening in my life. But it's so interesting how your perspective can change when you see what God was doing all along. See, God loved me enough to deliver me from what I thought I wanted and gave me what was best and it was what he wanted for me. But it took some stripping. It took some pain. It took some some dark times for me to not only realize what God was doing, but for me to learn to trust in him and to give him my ashes, to give him everything I had so that he could make it beautiful. And you know, the Bible talks about how God makes everything beautiful in its time. I believe he's going to start that journey with you today. So I hope you enjoy this talk. We're going to do leadership talks on this channel from time to time. And I hope this one touches you and that you enjoy it. And it challenges you to know that God has your story. He's in control and everything's going to be better than you even thought. Keela, we've got an interesting subject today, and um, you have become an expert in this by default uh, because you never asked to go through some of the stuff that you've been through, and, and nobody does. I think the things that happen to us in life um, are never happenstance. Uh, God orders our steps. And because he orders our steps, even when we make a mistake, even when we fall, the Bible says that God upholds us with his righteous hands. So our steps are ordered. Uh, he has a plan for our life. I, sh I shared something recently I want to share, and then I want us to, I want you to tell us the topic that we're going to talk about. But I shared recently um, in one of our services here at Elevate Life Church that I'd been invited to an 18-year-old old's birthday party one of the men in my life uh, Mike Escobedo his only son and so they had a piece of paper at the table that asked this question and that was what would you what would you tell yourself when you were 18 and I'd always thought about that kind of stuff when I was what would you tell yourself when you're in your 20s what would you tell yourself when you're in your 30s but I never went back beyond that so I never even had a thought process about what I would tell myself at 18 but when i when i was 18 um you know the old saying go the goes the world is your oyster it's like okay like you know i was deciding where i was going to go to college i was going to play basketball in college i was hoping that my girlfriend which is now your mom was going to make that trip with me we visited actually several schools uh in in 
Alabama and different places to even consider going together, me on a basketball scholarship, her as a cheerleader. Well, as I'm in that press, and that's what I'll call it, that press of the next level, and thinking, where am I going to go to school? How's this going to work out? Um, I, I wanted God's will for my life. It's like, God, I want your will for my life. And um, I would pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of my favorite Bible verses in James is that your life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. And so don't worry about what you eat tomorrow, where you go tomorrow. But, 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 but know what the will of the Lord is, you know, and, um, you know, another one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 12, you know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And verse two says, do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that perfect, that good, that acceptable will of God? And so I believe there's a perfect will of God. I believe there's a good will of God. I believe there's an acceptable will of God. But I, I, I had that revelation. But what I didn't have, Keila, I didn't have the revelation that God had a master plan for my life. I believed he had a plan for my life. But, but I think if I could speak something to my 18-year-old self, it would be, Hey, God, God has a, not just a plan for your life. Your job is to want his will for your life and to seek his way and to walk into his paths. But it's also to have a revelation. It has to be a revelation that he has this master plan. So what does that mean? What that means is Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for our good. I think this is a very difficult thing to think. God uses the good things and he uses the bad things because he foreknew, he predestined us. Uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4, he elected us. We were part of his election process. But, but when things happen that especially are in the uncontrollable area, I'm convinced that the devil himself wants to try to use what we can't control, other people's decisions, uh, to affect what we can control. And if he is effective in doing that, then he can begin to alter the course and the destiny of our life and interfere with God's plan because we get focused on what we can't control rather than what we can control. And you had something happen in your life that you had no control over, that the enemy has done his, and I'll say it, damnedest with you, just like he does with everybody else, to try to take what you can't control and make what you can control messed up with that. And so with that said, um, I'll just kind of drop this to everybody that's listening. Just don't allow what you can't control, decisions that other people make, no matter how hurtful they are, whether it's your parents, whether it's your parents got divorced or whether you were abused, you couldn't control that. Or whether somebody walked out on you or left your life. I've had that my whole life. I've had people that I love dearly have left my life. And, and which consequently, 
when I had a family, when your mother and I decided we wanted children, that's why I've been so intentional. One of the reasons I've been so intentional is because of the pain I've been through in my life. So my response to what I couldn't control, people walking out or people not wanting me or people not valuing who I was, my response to that was, you know what I can control? The atmosphere, the core values, the culture, the attitudes, the beliefs, the behaviors in my family. Now, everybody's still going to have a choice, but I can control that. So I think that's why we have intimacy in our family. I think that's why in our church, our family of choice, we have the potential to have intimacy. We have the potential to have deep relationships. We have the potential to connect and care deeply about each other. But you you experience something that certainly a lot of people experience, but no matter how spiritually mature you are, no matter how uh, much you plan, no matter how much you try to do the right thing, you experienced something very devastating. So what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about how to move forward when your life seems to be falling apart. Mm. And, you know, I think in my life it started when I was actually young because I think the enemy tries to come after you when you're unaware. Of course. Um, when you're immature, when you don't really have maybe the awareness of the world or how the world works. And I think for me, you know, at a very young age, you know, the the Bible is something that's very important in our lives to fill yourself with the Word of God, to understand the truths of God. And I think in my life, you know, something that you've always said is whatever you're full of, you'll be led by. Yeah. And I think the enemy tries to get you full of the wrong things mm. so that you're led by the wrong things in your life. So early on, I faced rejection. I faced you know, being in situations where I felt like I was taken advantage of. So, you know, whenever I was about 11-ish, I dealt with being molested. And then I dealt with a guy who was a pedophile that came into our life. And then, you know, I got through that and God led me through that. And and when I was about 18, I would say probably I got like like free of that. And God really helped me. It took that long because I hid it for so long because I didn't know how to understand it. And then moving forward in my life from that point, I'd really like learn to press into God. I had learned to lean on him. And I thought, you know, like this is like the greatest lesson that I'll ever learn. And I've conquered it and I followed God and I'm going to do the right things in my life. I, I had saved myself, you know, for marriage. And so, um, there was a guy who came into my life, uh, since he was nine and I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I was, you know, in my twenties, we started dating. We dated for about six years in total. We were married for not even a year. And basically he decided to have an affair with somebody who was close to us. And, um, basically have a whole different life and, yeah. and left me. And, and, you know, I, I came to a point with God where I thought, you know, and I don't know if you have ever had just these really real conversations with God, but I was in a moment where I just, I told God, I said, I'd like to see you use this for my good <laughs> because it was, yeah. you know, I got into a I'd place. I'd like to see how you're going to, in other words, it was like, I'd like to see how you're going to use this for my good. Yeah. Like how could, how this, could this be, be something good? Yeah. good in my life? You know, yeah. and I thought, Growing up in the church, growing up, you know, because you haven't been a pastor my whole life. We've grown up in the church, though. Right. And I, I knew as a believer, like if I not that like if it's just going to be perfect, but I thought if I do the right things, the right things will happen. Right. And I found in my life that you can do all the right things or the best that you know how to in yeah. that season. Because I think now, you know, I'm I'm remarried to a wonderful man, and I think I'm a better wife than I was before because I've obviously learned. But I think for me, I thought if I did the right things, like the best things that I knew to do, then the, the right things would happen. And what I found in my life is that that's just not always true. Yeah. And, and you know, 
one of the things that I learned is when life seems to be falling apart, it may actually be falling into a better place than expected. Mm. And I found that the thing that I thought I wanted, well, I, I fought for my marriage. I fought for God to restore that, to redeem it, but that wasn't his plan. But yeah. what I told God all along is I just said, you know what, God? And I told you this too, because I, I kept telling you, I want to fight. I want to do everything I can. Yeah. And at one point you told me like, you might be doing too much. <laughs> yeah. But I just told you, I said, I want to know that at the end of the day, I did everything I could right. and that God, I was able to follow God because whatever God wants to happen is going to happen and I'm just going to do my part. Yeah. And what I found is the thing that I thought I wanted and the thing that I thought I lost even ended up being the greatest season of my life. And that kind of sounds weird to say, but the loss enabled me to gain something that I never would have had in my life. And, you know, the question that I've thought a lot whenever talking about the will of God, like you said earlier, is mm. what if the will of God looks like something we never saw coming in our life? What if God uses the worst in our life to turn into the best things in our life? And, you know, I think in life... And I, and I, I do believe, I, I do believe God does that. I, yeah. I do believe one of my leadershipologies is the things that, that hurt you the most have the power to help you the most. Yeah. So in other words, it, because it takes us to a place and a depth not always positive, but it takes us to a place where we've never been before. So we mine that part of our soul. We we feel the depth of the pain. We feel the depth of loss. So before we go on, I want to ask you a question. You and I have never talked about this. Uh, so again, we're recording it um, uh, for you, our family of choice. But like just because there's a lot of women that struggle with a man that has an affair, but he comes back and says, I'm sorry. He comes back and says, I repent. He comes back and says, I don't want to do it again. He comes back and and the, the woman feels wanted, and yet oftentimes an affair can cause a marriage to break up, an affair can cause somebody to lose trust, and they never get it, give it back again or get it back again. Um, but for you, it really wasn't even about the affair. I mean, even though that's, that was hurtful. But I'm just asking you, how bad, how bad, let's, let's just separate the fact that he left. How bad did the affair uh, affect you? Well, I think that... Or, or was it just not, it, that wasn't even able to be processed because of the other stuff? I think for me, the biggest effect that I had was, I think he really hid who he was as a person. Yeah. And that was the biggest betrayal to me. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I thought I knew him. Yeah. I've known him most of my life. I yeah. mean, through my hardest seasons, yeah. I knew mm -hmm. him. Like even that I talked about earlier, those hardest seasons, I knew him in those seasons. And not that we were just the closest, but he was around. He wanted to be a part of our family. He yeah. was here. Yeah. And so I thought that we really had a similar heart to honor God, to honor our authority, to follow God, that we had the same yeah. values. We had talked about those for yeah. years. And so I think the biggest betrayal to me was that he wasn't who he said he was for so many years. I think that was the biggest surprise was not that he took an action that was sinful. It was that he really hid who he was or he never worked through that flesh side of himself. Yeah. And he pretended like we were the same to fit, which to be completely honest is I think kind of sociopathic, yeah. <laughs> but like, I think he wanted to fit so bad that he made himself into somebody that he wasn't until he couldn't anymore. Yeah. And so, well, the reason I asked that is because, um, 
again, and, and it's a hard, it, maybe it's a hard differentiation for you because what happened in just a few short hours was he decided he didn't want the marriage. He decided he didn't want you. He decided he didn't want us. And it wasn't just about him deciding he wanted another woman. It was him deciding, I don't want any of this, any of y'all. I want something totally different. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, that, that's what my mammal faced. You know, I've just written a book called Mammal's Tenants for Life that will be published. Um, and I think that was her biggest thing. Her biggest thing was that he didn't want her anymore. He didn't want them anymore. He didn't want what them represented, you know, and that was the most devastating thing for her. So I don't think I was maybe as, as you know, cause your mamma was with her husband for so long and yeah, had children 30 years, with him. Yeah. Um, thank God we didn't have children yeah, yet because yeah. it obviously wasn't who God wanted me to be with in the long run. Cause he knows everything that's going to yeah, happen. Does. That's the master plan. But I think, I think for me, obviously the affair, the affair physical side of all that is a betrayal and it hurts um, because, you know, there wasn't as much health on the physical side of our marriage anyway. So it was hard to understand how he could choose someone else physically when he wasn't even choosing his right, wife I got physically. So I think for me, it was just, I felt so out of the loop. Yeah. I felt so out of, like there was no conversation. There was no conflict. There was nothing that was that I could follow and go, oh, there's an issue yeah. and we haven't resolved this the This happened, issue. so he did that. Yeah, yeah, there was no issue. So it's just something switched in him. He wanted to be this different person yeah. and wanted to not look like the bad guy, so he even lied about some of it to do you make think it that, better. Do you think in the end that makes it easier? I think for people who don't know how to deal with themselves and be real with who they are and the choices that they've made, it's easier to hop from one life to another and to not look back because they don't have to deal with what's not working in themselves. So yeah. they can look at you and reject you, but they can't even reject who they aren't or who they are or really yeah. accept who they yeah. are or who they aren't. Yeah. And so I think that it's easier to just, you know, for all of us as humans, it's easy to point the finger. It's easy to go, you're the problem. That's the blame, You never girl. give me this or you never did that or I'm not happy with this. But I think for me, the hardest thing you know, in this whole situation, of course I loved him. Of course I cared about him, but it's, there was no opportunity for a conversation. Yeah. There was no opportunity for reconciliation. Yeah, once it, it once he kind of crossed that, once it was revealed that he was, he was totally already on a different road, changing his name. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to talk about him yeah. as much <laughs> as I do just about, again, let's come back to the topic. We're talking about what? Yeah, so we're talking about how to move forward when your life seems to be falling apart. Yeah, so so people's lives fall apart in a lot of different ways. And mine fell apart in one day, yeah. like like yeah. what I knew my life was, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I think for me, you know, we I've realized in my life, you know, I'm almost 30 now, and for me, just like looking around my life, everyone's going to experience a level of pain. Some people experience different levels of pain than others. But when life brings something painful to you or you feel like your life's falling apart, I really think how you respond makes all the difference. Yeah. It's not that my pain was deeper or your pain was deeper. It's what was your response out of that pain. And just like I said earlier, you know, whatever you're full of, you're going to be led by. Right. I think that in those moments of pain, in those moments where your life seems to be falling apart, you really get to see what's been put inside of you. Yeah. You really get to see what you've invested inside of your own life. Mm -hmm. And 
I was really honestly proud of myself yeah. and and um, happy to know that what came out of me was love and yeah. what came out of me was the word of God. I wanted more mercy, of God. Mercy, Yeah, mercy for him. I, I, one of the things I told him was, you know, and this is something that I want to do in my whole life is I told him, I said, I want you to be able to look back on this season, even though you're not choosing me and know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you through me. That you don't, even though we don't deserve it with God, even though we can't work for it with God, He's gonna love us no matter how yeah. we are, no matter what we do, no matter if we love Him back. Yeah. And I want you to know that through how I'm loving you till the end. You know, so I think in my life, that's something that I learned a whole new aspect of was God's love, that He loved me, that He sees me. And it wasn't just about, oh, this man did something so bad in my life. I was able to see Him as a child of God, that He's lost, that He doesn't understand how much yeah. God loves Him, yeah. how much God's redeemed His life, how much God renamed Him and chose Him and gave Him. Mm a family yeah. and that he was so unconditionally loved and I think that's what was hard on me and it, it made me have mercy and and compassion for him right. which you know I think the Bible talks in other words a lot it, about, it, it really it took it off of you and you were able to to really your heart go even go out to him yeah and I think yeah. I learned that yeah. you can either react emotionally and escalate the drama of the situation or we can respond biblically and grow through it yeah you know the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he'll bring to our remembrance the things that we don't remember yeah. the things that we don't know and I know that no, no one in our family no one around us had been through anything like this yeah, no. uh, maybe people had been married multiple times but they've never been through a situation that was similar yeah. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have anybody to ask for advice. Or yeah, there was no, there was no uh, books to read yeah. or anything like that. So I really, in my time, I said, I said, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna need you to show me what to do because mm -hmm. I do not know what to do. I do not, I do not have this figured out. I'm not a perfect person, and I don't know what to do the next day. You know. So one of the things that I decided in my life was not just to look at the circumstance, but understand that. I can trust God that he knows what he's doing in the situation and in my circumstance yeah. and, and acknowledge that he's in control, that I'm not in control, that if I try to start asking why or how, or like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? How could I have fixed it? There's some things in our life that are just out of our control. Yeah. And if we stop trying to take back the control and we acknowledge that God's in control and that he has an excellent track record, <laughs> he's never going to not be faithful, yeah. that we can actually give over that control and actually see the lesson and see the growth and work towards the growth in that situation instead of working on figuring out why. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck yeah. is they're trying to figure out why they're trying to make sense of it and they think that's going to help them. They think it's going to well, make them feel better. Well, and, and again, back to the controllables and uncontrollables. And I would encourage everybody that, that listens to this, take out a blank piece of paper, draw a line down the middle of it and put controllable and then put uncontrollable on the other side and and just make a list those okay I can control this so one of the thing one of the things for instance that people can control is actually two two dominant things number one the thing they can control is their attitude and you've heard me talk about that your whole life it's the one thing you have control over but the other thing is your effort so in other words, what kind of effort are you going to put into your marriage? What kind of effort are you going to put into your job? What kind of effort are you going to put into your own personal growth and development? You have total control over your effort. Yeah. And until you own that, then you will blame. You will blame somebody. Because here's the thing. In college, my experience was this, is that I was very highly recruited. I go to a small school by choice. And uh, anyway, without going into the whole story, the, the coach had an issue with me. But what he couldn't control, so he benched me. I mean, we would be, your mom was a cheerleader, 
Her twin sister was a cheerleader. I mean, the whole gym, the whole several thousand people would be chanting my name. Craft, craft, craft. I mean, and, and what that coach couldn't control was my effort at practice. So I came in first at every sprint. I practiced like it was, but he just, he absolutely, he had it out for me. He did not, and he ended up losing his job over his own attitude. But the reality is that, um, that my attitude and my effort uh, were not just about that season of me playing four years of, of college basketball. It was about how I was gonna be as a person in life. When either a boss, was a certain way towards me uh, or, or something happened in my life that was out of control, what am I going to do? Well, you know, the old saying goes, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. You know, don't just, don't just take the sour in life, but add your sugar to it. And you, you, it becomes drinkable. It becomes, very few people can just drink lemon juice just straight. And if they do, it's going to, the acid and the everything else, but you add some sugar to it and, and that's what we have the power to do. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So I was just going to say something in that season too, is I just, I just immerse myself in the presence of God. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people, you know, we hear people say like, I don't want to go work out cause I'm not in shape yet. Or I don't want to go to church cause I'm not in a good place yet. Yeah. It's in the presence of God that you find healing, that you find wholeness, that you find those words from God and that you can understand what God's doing in your life. You know, right. if you just stay, you know, I I remember growing up, I had friends that would listen to sad country songs and look at themselves in the mirror and make themselves cry more. Yeah. Or like, I know of women that have even asked me since I've gone through what I've gone through and just telling me like, I just can't get out of bed. Yeah. I think there's certain things you have to push yourself into. And one of the things to move forward that I had to do is I had to push myself into the presence of God. And it says in the Bible that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm. If you can get where the spirit of the Lord is, if you can invite him into your situation, you'll find freedom. And when you're free, you can move forward. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here today, a person who's a victim whose husband left them. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the quote. It says that you, I, I'm not gonna, I'm like paraphrasing it, but it says a strong person can go through the fire and not smell like smoke. Yeah. I don't want to have the residue of what happened to me on me. Yeah. I just want people to see the glory of God on me and go, how did you get there? And yeah. then I'm able to tell my story and reveal what God's done. And you know, also, well, wait, on that, one of the hardest things for me is to be around people who want you to ask them what's wrong with them. Yeah. In other words, they're acting a certain way. So you go, is something wrong? It's like, no, please. I mean, you know, that's in our family, it's faith it until you make it. You know, it's not faking it. It's yeah. just going, okay. Anyway, so go ahead. So in First Thessalonians 5.18, some of us have heard the scripture before, but it says, give thanks to the Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And whenever we hear this scripture, we could think like, how am I, how am I going to give thanks in all things in all circumstances? But th- what this is saying is that it's God's will that we give thanks, yeah. not for our circumstance, maybe not for our situation, but for the God that's in the situation, for the God that's in the circumstance, that it's the will of God that we give thanks no matter what situation we're in, no matter what season that we're in. And if you think about this, that command says in all circumstances, even the unexpected, uncomfortable and unwanted ones, as we thank God, not always for the circumstance, but for who he is in the circumstance, it changes our perspective. Yeah. I think that's the big test. That's the big test. And that's really what that is. And this is going to sound maybe weird, but it's a loyalty test. 
Your ability to give thanks to God is a loyalty test. Am I loyal to God or is this situation going to cause me not to be loyal to God? Am I only loyal whenever he does what I want? Exactly. Yeah. So it's huge. And and where I can't see the end, the end. Or figure it yeah. out. And yeah. I think I think for me, the thing that was one of the biggest lessons was, you know, my circumstance may not change, but God wants to change me in the situation, even when the situation isn't changing. Yeah. I can actually Good. get better. I can become a stronger person. I actually believe more in who God says he is now being through what I've been through because I've seen him work in my life. Yeah, I feel like great. sometimes we go through so much and we never invite God in. So we never get to see him working in our life. And so therefore we're like, God, where are you? And he's yeah. like, invite me in, yeah. come to me, let me be a part of it. And you'll see my power working. I think your perspective has a lot to do with how you see, how you see and what you receive in life. Yeah. If perspective you, is huge. Yeah, and again, you can't, you can't, like, I'm looking at you, you're wearing glasses today. Well, <laughs> glasses give you a different perspective based on your inability to see. And there's an old, um, in fact, it was actually in Stephen Covey's book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, an old illustration about somebody who uh, was looking at a lemon and they put on um, uh blue glasses blue lenses and said okay what color is the lemon they said green no it's still yellow it's just you put on uh blue lenses and sometimes it's our blues lenses <laughs> it's the bad things that have happened it's the the pity it's the it's the victimization it's the blame and we're viewing everything through that lens and so what's supposed to be bright and yellow um is green and ugly yeah the only thing that's pretty that's green is money i like the grass and trees and stuff i I like i like money (laughs) so one of the things with that about you louis you know through your perspective you can get better even if things aren't getting better it's very good your perspective can get better one of the things that you've taught me is you know you can grow through what you go through and have a breakthrough you can choose to actually grow through what you're going through. You don't have to just go through it. And I think of like a renovated house. You know, mom's always doing something to your house. Always. Or someone else's house. And you know, if you were to evaluate an overall design of a house that's being demolished or renovated, you might assume that it's not coming together as planned, that things are a mess. Like sometimes when yeah. mom's in the middle of renovating something in the house, it just there's dust everywhere, yeah. dirt everywhere. It just doesn't look right. But the architects and the interior designers, they can see how wonderful the plans are. They can see how wonderful the rebuilding and the redemption of the building or that project is going to be. And you know, for me, the thing that I've learned is the word redeem means to buy back or to pay off. And to presume that life's falling apart is actually based on your perception because God might be rebuilding something in your life. He might be opening up a door or changing a view, changing a perspective. He might be taking you higher and that's going to take some foundation setting because you can't build something taller if the foundation's not right. And so when you try to reason with your current state, it keeps you stuck in your circumstance and it slows the progress of where God wants you to be because the major breakdown or the pain can actually help you to have a breakthrough if you're willing to learn through the discomfort and lean into the discomfort to where God can actually be a part of it and show you what he's doing. You know, Winston Churchill, you have always said this, but he says, if you're going to go through hell, keep going. And John Maxwell, 
in his book, The Difference Maker, it's he basically said, I found that there are really only two kinds of people in this world when it comes to dealing with discouragement, splatters and bouncers. When splatters hit rock bottom, they fall apart and they stick to the bottom like glue. On the other hand, when bouncers hit bottom, they pull back together and bounce back. Yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. Yeah. So when it seems like your life's falling apart, you can actually look to the future as you take that first step because the ruins of your past can actually become an altar to God and a signpost of victory for others to follow. Mm -hmm. You know, I looked at my life and I, I thought, how is God gonna use any of this? God, I'd like to see you use this. And now I get to travel the world and encourage mm -hmm. women all over the world about how to walk in victory. You know, the Bible says that God goes before us and that he prepares the way. We don't have to walk and, and fight the battle. And he makes every crooked path straight. Yeah, and so we don't have to fight the battle. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to follow him into victory. Yeah. And so not knowing, not knowing why, not knowing when, not knowing how is a part of the process with God. It mm. just always is. If you're going to have faith and trust him and follow his plan, it says in the Bible, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. So you're not going to be able to figure it out. The place of not knowing is also the place of your greatest potential. And, you know, I think a lot of us, we question you know, we think that our reality is just the reality that we're always going to have. And we question, how is this ever going to work out? Yeah. And many of us are so invested that believing that, you know, we experience this reality and it's never going to change. But the thing that I've realized is what if my reality is not always the right reality? What if the reality I'm seeing is not the best reality? And our reality is probably not how God sees our situation. And so because his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, we have to come up higher. How do we do that? We get in his presence. We ask him to get involved. We ask him to show us how we should think, how we should see it, mm -hmm. how, to, how, to, how to perceive this, how to feel. You know, like I think for me, one of the things I thought in myself and I asked God is I said, God, how do, how do I need to respond to this? How mm -hmm. do I need to act? Because I've never been through this before. Right. You know, hopefully you're not going through the same thing over and over again. Right. You might have the same feeling of pain in different situations, but you don't have to have gone through the same thing to figure it out because God already knows the path. He knows yeah. how to get you on the side of victory and how to but get we you have to win. To, we have to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We have to, Matthew 7 says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And, and Jesus said, no man that asks for a fish gets a stone. That, that doesn't happen. But, but God is pleased when we ask. He wants us, to, in fact, to be master askers. So, so as we, as we conclude here, Keela, uh, just give a final thought and then pray for everybody. Okay. So in the end, and even still today, I've learned that being broken is not a negative at one point I asked God, how much more can I be broken? He told me, the more broken you are, the more I get to use. Mm. So when we're broken, we're really just broken open and useful for God. Yeah, good. And when life seems to be falling apart, you can know that you're not just buried, you were planted. You're a seed that may be in the dark right now, but as you grow through what you go through, your breakthrough is going to happen. And you're not only going to move forward, you're going to be able to walk in a favor and anointing that you never knew was possible. Mm. You don't have to know Good. what you're doing before you move. You just have to move. Yeah. So God, I just thank you for every thank single you, person 
that's listening today. I thank you that you know what we've been through. You know what we're facing today. You know the hardest times in our life that we've gone through. And you also know what the victories are out of those hardest times. God, I thank you that our life won't just be something of a ruin that we get to look back on of what didn't work, but God, it's gonna be an altar as we give it over to you. That's gonna be a a signpost and a point of victory that other people can look back to and follow to their victory. Mm. That our painful places are gonna actually be places of victory that our, our most hurtful and harmful places are going to be the places where you are actually able to anoint us yes. and make it useful for your kingdom. God, I thank you that everything in, in your kingdom has a purpose, that you're going to work everything yes. for our good, for those that love you, God. And I just thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I speak freedom into our lives. God, I speak hope and joy and peace and yes. everything that you want to give us. And God, I pray that we would do our part so that we can receive those things and see those things in our life, that we don't just have to have our life falling apart, but we can actually see you bring it back together in a better and stronger and greater, more powerful way so that we can move forward, not alone, but with you in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Great job, Keila. You know, one one last thought uh, as you were praying. I thought that was really a profound prayer that let us not look back and see the ruins of our life, but know that God has a great future. Right when you prayed that, here was the thought that came to mind. So I want you to answer me. You may not know this question, but how is concrete made? With water and dirt? Gravel. You know what gravel is? It's broken up rock. It's a bunch of little pieces that when it's mixed right with the right stuff, it makes something harder than it was before. And I think that's what happens. We think about the ruins. We think about the broken places. When we think about those, God brings his love. God brings his purpose to our pain. God brings brings his power into our process. And when he does that, what were little strengths become a huge, big strength. And the ruins become the foundation of the stepping stone for what God has for us in the future. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.com.